One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, hey, Gator Nation. Welcome back to the Respect Our Decision podcast. It's Wednesday, the 24th of August, and we got another great episode lined up for you. want to once again thank everybody for the, all the support on the previous episode. We just keep going up and up, man. We can't thank y'all enough. Just remind y'all, we're on. you can get us on all your major providers, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Make sure you download us. And give us a good review. Tell us how we're doing. And don't forget to check out our new YouTube channel at youtube.com. Respect our decision. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Give us a like. Helps us tremendously, man. We're trying to grow this up for y'all. And always don't forget that we have our Patreon set up at patreon.com backspace. Respect our decision. And going to give a shout out to Utah Gator once again for being our first ever Patreon. With that being said, guys, we got, as always, we got the hype man, Wes. Wes? What's good? What's good? What's good, Gator Nation? Thank you guys for, for listening. Appreciate you. Thank you, Zach, for giving us your time as well. And tonight in non-contact jersey, battling unknown symptoms is uh, Mike, as always. What's going on? So if Mike sounds a little rough, <laughs> y'all just battle it. You know, he's battling for y'all. And like then the true Gator would. So y'all just stick with him. But like Wes said, man, we got Zach Goodall from SIL Gators here with us tonight, the publisher of SIL Gators. Zach, thanks for coming on with us, man. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I appreciate you guys having me. I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to get on Mike's level here, man. I want that level of dedication to have a flu game for a podcast. Whew. It takes dedication, I tell you what. Yeah, sure does. He never never had a second thought. <laughs> hey, like he says, man, his his. His tagline is a lifestyle. He's, he's just getting better all the time. 100%. Even when, sick, even when you're down, you're just getting better. You're not getting better, you're getting worse. That's right. 
And even if you're down, you're never out. You're nah. never out. Never. I'm going to hit a cardio session after this. Who knows? That's right. That is hey, right. Man, quick 20 minutes. It's red. <laughs> it's the all mindset, right. man. It's the mindset. It's the mindset and the mentality and all that. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so Zach, um, you know, great time to be in the Gator Nation right now. We're 10 days out, Gator Nation. Just want to drop that. 10 days, guys. It's 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 here. We're in, you know, Coach Napier said it in his press conference today. We're in, uh, we're in, we're in get mindset of the game week now. So big things happening, Zach. So you know, it's just really great time to be part of the Gators. Have have has been a lot of upswing in the work that y'all have now with all that's going on. Yeah, certainly. Um, I joined this beat <clears throat> in. Dan Mullen's second season. So I've never experienced like a start from scratch with a head coach ever in my journalism career, even dating back to when I was writing about the Jaguars, I walked in while Doug Marone was uh, freshly removed from an AFC championship contending season. Uh, I walked in at a perfect time for that because they went like five and 11 the next year. But um, it's, it is very refreshing to get in at the start of something, uh, build connections with a bunch of new people in town personally, you know, beyond football and just show them around and and give them some insight into the city. Uh, But it also leads to a lot of excitement with football. I'm sure I speak for a lot of people when uh, they were tired by the end of season four of the Mulling campaign. And I certainly was too. And I know a lot of journalists were as well, because it turned into a bit of a headache for us for maybe some different reasons uh, than the fans, but also we just, you know, we wanted to see a better product. I, I personally find my work to be most enjoyable to do when the fan base is enjoying football. And that just wasn't happening there at the end. So ideally, you know, for Gator Nation's sake and for the sake of my work ethic, uh, Billy Napier can come in and win some big games and, and turn Florida into what it's supposed to be a, a perennial championship contender. Absolutely. And, you know, we are first and foremost, primarily, we like to, you know, say we're a recruiting podcast. So, I mean, obviously with what he's done on the recruiting front, that's giving y'all a, a lot of work as well. A lot of stories to write there recently. Yeah, it sure has. Um, and it was really interesting to see how the process was all going to kind of come to fruition, I guess, is probably the best way to say it. Because, at first, he comes in, and within two weeks, pulls in three major talents. He gives the fan base exactly what they're looking for in being able to get Kamari Wilson, Shamar James, and Devin Moore on early signing day. And then National Signing Day came and went, a couple of losses, kind of a you know slap of reality, I guess is probably the best way to put it, that you're still not going to win all of these battles, especially when you've been on the job for two months. It's just you're, you're just not. It's not. And then it extended into the offseason. Um, fans obviously had high expectations. Jaden Rashada, there was a lot of excitement there among some other recruitments. But it, it went back to what Napier said in his introductory press conference and really made the point of throughout the entire offseason is that they're coming in here with this expanded budget, expanded staff, more resources than any Florida coach has ever had. They want to lay the groundwork properly. They want to tear it all down and rebuild from scratch. And I've been kind of making this point to some fans recently that when you look at Will Muschamp, Jim McElwain, and Dan Mullen, um, McElwain and uh, Mullen walked in and Florida was unranked preseason before the start of their first year. 
I think Muschamp was like 22 on the AP poll, 23 on the coaches, and they all overachieved immediately. Came in and won some impressive games and took the team a bit further than they expected given the need to rebuild post-Urban Meyer or post that next coach that was fired. I personally think it's a good thing to instill some patience with the fan base to kind of temper these expectations. And I think we're going to see that during the 2022 season, which we'll talk about later. But we kind of saw that start with recruiting. Those six months of a couple of lower-rated recruits that were clearly evaluation takes you know, people that are players that Florida staff was higher on than most because they like their odds of developing them. But then a floodgate opened. All all it took was a couple of big moves, them identifying the correct talent that they wanted to get into the program. And and we start to see the strategy pay off. The the 500-mile region, as Jacob Rudner at 247 Sports has uh, reported on in the past couple of weeks, the in-state talent, obviously, uh, building connections at schools like IMG in the powerhouses, maybe down to South Florida, even though that's not really come to fruition totally yet. I think Miami Northwestern with Andy John is a perfect example of you know, the dominoes you need to fall in those areas. So we're seeing the whole process of it, the slow approach, but the right way starting to come together where arguably it was needed most in recruiting. And I think that we're going to have to apply that same thinking to actual on the field results. It may not be immediate, but at some point it's going to come. Yeah. Speak to us real quick about Andy John. Obviously you were there this last week to watch him play you and a CJ Connor. For those that know Connor works with Zach Goodall. That was on our show previously. Um, Obviously he didn't have, I mean, I think, I saw maybe a lot of people say that he wasn't used a whole lot like you would expect a talent of his to be used, but he did show flash. Yeah, I certainly thought so. Um, They had a pretty ground heavy and short game attack going on against Jones, which has a couple of high profile defenders, obviously a Malik Bryant, as well as uh, Deontre Robinson, a 2024 defensive lineman and some other guys. So they really weren't trying to take shots down the field. Uh, and he had to do a lot of blocking, which we, Connor and I both said, every time he was asked to block, he gave the effort you want to see. He had the technique you want to see out of a wide receiver that's blocking. Um, but he was designated to a lot of screens, a lot of short routes. I think he ended up with five or six receptions, and most of them came in the fourth quarter, which was kind of surprising for a preseason jamboree type of game. But he... I, I view him as a pretty complete receiver. He he may not be the fastest. He's not an A to Mizell, for example. Uh, he may not be the most explosive, but he gets you by in every athletic category you're looking for. He's got an amazing catch radius for a six foot flat receiver. Uh, I know he's listed at six one. I believe he's six flat, but his wingspan is like six foot four, six foot five. He can go and contest catches like a lot of different guys, uh, the bigger bodied receivers. I think he's a really sharp route runner. I think he has a good understanding of zones. He showed that on a scramble drill where he was able to identify really quickly this opening in the field while his quarterback was scrambling, caught a low wobbly pass and had the awareness to spin outside of it and go and collect another 10 yards. Um, Considering the game plan was pretty limited, a lot of short stuff, I still came away very impressed because he showed me that complete receiver skill set that you want to see even in a limited situation. Yeah. Um, speaking about, you know, I'm glad you told us uh, 
it's Andy John because a lot of our fans been calling him Andy Jean. So uh, that's a thing that we need to correct as well. Um, a lot of our fans also, uh, there's been a lot of speculation, a lot of talk that he's underrated. Uh, you know, a lot of people are saying that he's one of the best receivers in the state of Florida, one of the best receivers in this, as far as route running in the country, period. Uh, how do you feel about him being underrated as, as far as where he's ranked right now? And do you think he, this senior year might give him the ability to rise in the rankings? Yeah, I guess I should say, too, I have also called him Andy Jean. Um, I heard over the PA system at that game him repeatedly getting called Andy John. So I'm just going to stick with that from now on. Um, <clears throat> as for his ranking, uh, and I see it's kind of risen on the composite since when he committed. I think he was in the 300s at that point. And now he's just below the 300s into the like high 290s. I think he's definitely better than that. I'm I'm not exactly sure where I would put him only because I, I don't think he has the elite athleticism as an Aiden Mizell, again, a, a Eugene Wilson. And, and a lot of these recruiting outlets are going to bank on potential and the athletic traits that they see at these camps during the offseason. So I get it if he's not going to end up as high as those guys. But you made the point. I, I think he's one of the better route runners in the country. I think he's got a great feel for his footwork, again, for zones that he can sit into and open spots on the field. He's got good technique and he's just so well-rounded. I mean, high school wide receivers don't like to block. They just don't. And he did not have a rep that I can remember where he didn't put effort into blocking. And and it's those little things that you do want to see that give you confidence. For me, Mizell and Wilson have the very high floors. I think both of them need to add some weight, uh, can, sharpen their route running and learn some more nuances of the position, uh, which gives them the high ceiling. Whereas Gene may not, or Jean may not have a, as high of a ceiling necessarily, but I think he's got an incredibly high floor. I think he's the type of receiver that could probably come in and make a legitimate impact as a freshman, just because of the technique uh, and his understanding of the wide receiver position. Wow. That's big. Now, there was some smoke out there recently that um, well, Miami started to push. So uh, how would you, uh, even though he, he was um, he decommitted from them, how uh, legitimate would you say the interest, if there is even any interest in them? Because he did say, like, he would visit them. It's very funny that Miami fans are always involved in a Florida recruitment <laughs> as soon as something happens. Exactly. Because at first it was Miami fans didn't want him and he wasn't a take, and now – oh, well, he is, and we're going to poach him from Florida. It's just all over the place. I think he's very firmly committed. Uh, every time we've spoken great. to him, and he's a great interview. I mean, he, he's been one of my favorite players to actually speak with in this cycle as well. Um, tells you a lot about Florida, the beyond football, that has really attracted him. Um, I, it's not, I, to my knowledge, this is absolutely not a violation. They talked to him about like financial literacy and like ways to build your money once you're in a position to make NIL. And and that goes to their process of they wait until players sign the dotted line before they handle NIL stuff. But they were giving him the vision for that, you know, like what you can do in your four year, three or four years here to set yourself up for life. And he's repeatedly said that that has seriously caught his attention. The education aspect has really caught his attention. The family atmosphere that we've seen from the culture, uh, he's really grown to like that. So I do think he's firmly committed. Uh, now, he did say he will probably take visits when we talk to him after that game. And he said it very simply, I want to see the world. 
My mom tells me I should get out and see the world. I really like where I'm at with Florida right now, but like, sure, maybe I'll take a visit to Miami. Maybe I'll go. I remember Texas A&M was high up there uh, for him at one point. I could see him doing that. Maybe the, you know, the, the trip everyone wants to take out to USC or Oregon just so they can say they did it, something like that. But as of right now, I don't think there's any reason to fear. I think Andy Jean at this point is a Gator. Yeah, same. There's a nice quick um, early eval um, by uh, Kerry Colbert, who, who I've always been a great fan of. And um, it seems like that really had an impression on him as well. You know, that we're not just coming, you know, back around the table like, hey, oh, don't remember us. Like, no, we saw him as potential wide receiver one. Yeah, and I think the connection from Northwestern is interesting, too, because if I'm not mistaken, Kerry was at Alabama with Napier around the same time um, as like an assistant or something. And I'm looking it up now, but Tiger Jones was also there. And as we've all seen, um, yes, Kerry was there at the same time. And as we've seen, there's that video where Amari Cooper gives Andy the shout out, um, brings up Tiger Jones, the speed coach. They were all at Alabama at the same time. And now all of them, except for Amari, are here. And I think that that's really going to carry some weight because he played at Northwestern. He wore number two, which Andy wears, and he really values that connection. He started to build a personal relationship with uh, Amari since that video came out. So there are a lot of things working, I think, in Florida's favor to be able to hold on to him. But there, there certainly will be a push from the outside. Yeah, and that's what you want, though. I mean, I know we as fans, especially here the last few years, are, are shell-shocked a little bit. But if, you're, if your commits aren't being pursued by the bigger teams out there, then you're not doing it right. Playing exactly. Um, <clears throat> you want to play big boy football, you got to play big boy recruiting. And that means Bama's coming after them, Georgia's coming after them, and you've got to fend those guys off. And if you can't, you don't have what it takes. I mean, that's just plain and simple. It's that easy. Um, but moving on, you know, thanks for that insight. That's fantastic. And I know people are going to love to hear all that. Mm -hmm. Um, let's just move on down the line and talk about a few other guys real quick. Um, I know it's a hot name out there for us right now. And it's kind of a, is it more of a when than if, um, but is there any new smoke or news on Dejon Johnson out there? Um, to shout out CJ, um, on his (laughs) pod, he said he has a leader in mind. He did not say who he was very picky on allowing recruiting details out. And I respect it. Dijon is a a very nice kid. He's also a very quiet recruit. He likes to do things his own way and won't give a ton of interviews. Just he he likes to keep things close to the vest, but he named a leader uh, or he didn't name a leader. He said he had a leader in mind. Um, And I thought it was interesting he was asked about schools that, you know, are, are communicating with him a lot. And he mentioned T. Rob at Alabama, um, James Franklin at Penn State. But very briefly, the first two coaches he said, Billy Napier and Corey Raymond, said quite a bit more about them than the other guys. I understand that he, uh, I know Miami especially, was really pushing to get him on campus for Friday Night Lights in that weekend. There were reports out there that he was going. I can tell you guys with full confidence that that wasn't true. He was never going to Miami. He was only going to Florida. And and they worked out some details to make sure he was there for the weekend because originally the the thought was that he might just come for Friday Night Lights. 
but they were able to keep him there and it was a good setting for him. He enjoyed his time a lot as much as I'm aware of. He, he loved the time he got to spend bonding with the coaching staff. So I, I do think Florida's still in the best spot of these other schools. I mean, who's to say Alabama won't make a strong push that gets him. Maybe Miami with their luck somehow finds a way in. But at this point, I, I don't really see any school doing the work on him that Florida's done. Now, granted, there's been a dead period most of the time he's been decommitted. But still, I mean, that's that's time that's really been dedicated to Florida. Or he, that's left a lasting impression on him that no one's really been able to match yet. Absolutely. Well, and that's great news, especially about the visit on Friday night, late, night, late weekend. You know, that's just one more example of don't believe every – rumor that gets floated out there on Twitter and the message boards and everything and then have a meltdown about it because there's always more to any of those stories than you know. Mm-hmm. So moving on down the line, we want, you know, we want to talk about some some defensive line recruits real quick. You know, uh, this is a pro coach chaos podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sir. We got to, we have to keep Mike we, we got to keep Mike on his heels this week. We're not letting him off that quick. <laughs> um, you know, obviously this last weekend we're gonna get to the uh, D tackle spot here in a second. I want to ask real quick because it's on the forefront of a lot of people's minds about uh about um Keeley from out of Tampa freshly decommitting, and of course everyone thinks you know he took a trip to Bama. He's immediately going to Bama because he decommitted. But what have you heard out there on, on, on Keon Kingley? That one's been a bit quieter on my end. Um, I've got some friends, especially that cover Tampa area sports, and they've said similarly that, sure, there's Alabama smoke, but they don't exactly know where that fire is. Um, and I think that this actually could end up being a recruitment that lasts a little bit. He ended up decommitting again during this dead period. I would think a top 10 player in the country, even if he's considering Bama, although we know he does like Florida. I mean, Florida was a flip candidate for him publicly at the very least by rumors going back several months. I could see him waiting to go to a couple of games. I don't know if he has any official visits left, but if he does, I could see him taking some of those. Uh, And I could certainly see him taking unofficials to get a game like atmosphere with this new Florida staff, compare it to what he knows of Bama or, or to go back to Bama and see what it's like there again. Um, So as for where it's leaning, I, I really don't have a, an answer there, but I wouldn't necessarily rule Florida out just because he decommitted and everyone thinks it's Bama. I, I, I don't know exactly where that would come from otherwise. Uh, again, we knew that for some time there was still an interest in Florida while he was committed to Notre Dame. So, Absolutely. Yeah, that's my, yeah, that's my guy, Keeley. So I'm hoping that, you know, that decommitment was like the best news I could get because I, I had a feeling it was coming in. There was some points, like you said, that he will be coming that night. I think his mom, it was some, some rumor or I don't know if it was a story, his mom said that they may be some uh, games in Florida this year. Now that he's decommitted, I mean they live in Florida, so hopefully we can get that that going and that'll, you know, like you just said, you know, maybe get some get some of that fire that we're looking for from the smoke. But um, the next guy up on uh, Coach Chaos is uh, I got to get trail um, is Caden McDonald. Uh, a report came out Friday that he is looking to commit on October thirty first. 
uh, uh, that's Halloween. Uh, A lot of reports, a lot of hearsay is out there between us and Florida. I know a a couple of crystal balls went out uh, for Clemson. Uh, How do you see that recruitment coming down? Um, He's a a nose tackle that Mike wants in the the, the class. Mike has been harping and on that chaos needs to get a uh, a, a true nose. No, thank true, you. true thank nose. Thank you. So, thank you for uh, emphasizing that. <laughs> how do you how do you see that recruitment? Do you? Uh, I know he was at Friday Night Lights too. So can you speak about that recruitment as well? Yeah, sure. Um, I completely agree with you, Mike. Definitely my, need a true man. nose. My man. I think they need two. Um, that Don't being said, I think <laughs> I do think you can develop a guy like Will Norman into a passing down nose, maybe. He might be better suited as a three tech, but you can get away with it if you have a true nose like Caden and a hybrid three tech nose like Will. Um, and he's someone that I've thought for a while Florida had a good chance with because back at his official visit, he said that Florida was a top three school for him. Um, I'm trying to remember what the other two ones were. I would like to say it was Clemson and Michigan but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but Clemson's obviously gotten some love as of late um, in his recruitment as well. So that would certainly make sense. Uh, and yeah, he was back again. I think this may mean nothing in the grand scheme of things, but I do look towards where prospects chose to be in that one week of, uh, of non-dead period in July and a lot of these guys that are getting pursued by the blue blood programs that Florida has struggled to beat in, in recent years on the trail chose to come to Florida. And I think that's massive for a guy like Caden. Uh, and I think that they're, they're pitching exactly what you're saying, Mike, to him is that we need a nose. We probably need a nose that can play year one or year two at the latest. And even though we've got all these D-line commits, I mean, you can even count T.J. Searcy as a defensive end if you want to, even though right now they're recruiting him as an edge. They still don't have a nose. It, it, that's that's easy to sell someone. I mean, like, no, I don't think it's easy to come in and play as a freshman on the defensive line in the SEC. Like, we might see Chris McClellan do it sometimes this year, but even with their needs, I think they'll kind of limit that because it can just be so overwhelming. But McDonald, is he's got a kind of unique frame at 6'2", but he's very well built. I think he can create a lot of natural leverage, which will ease him in a little bit more than your typical nose tackle who has to learn pad level and the likes when they get to the SEC. So you have to like where Florida's coming from in terms of their pitch to him. And based on at least what he was saying after his OV, Florida being a top three team sounds pretty good to me. I, I don't know if there's been a reported like expanded top teams list or if he has finalists for this decision um but he definitely said in june that florida was a top three program for him let me uh, follow up to that um before you go mike what type of uh guy is i mean to me his his film speaks more almost like uh andy john as far as better than what he's ranked can you kind of give some insight on the type of player he might be do you think his ranking is fitting do you think how, how do you see his film? Uh, do you see it like, I think we all say that, he, I mean, his film is phenomenal. Yeah, I'm pulling up his ranking right now, but I believe it's somewhere in the two, yeah, 200s. And yeah, bottom 200s. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's pretty low down there. And he's listed at 6'3". Again, I think he's more on the 6'2 side. And that might be what kind of dips guys. <clears throat> Again, that you want to see the potential and with linemen, that's usually length. But that being said, <clears throat> he plays at North Gwinnett. It's 
I believe, the highest classification it of is. football in Georgia. Yeah, I'm the Georgia guy. Yeah, he plays he plays real good competition. And he put up 62 tackles for loss in one season. Let his team in tackles for that tackle. It's unreal. As a no, I mean, I guess he's probably yeah. playing everywhere. But this this is Jervon Dexter. This is better than Jervon Dexter high school production. Exactly. And, uh, uh, yeah. and against, like you said, against the best of the best in, in, in Georgia's, you know, top rank. That. I just want, I, I wanted the, the fans not to hear, like, what we were saying about him, like, someone that, that it's covering, like, we, we, we know what he, from our perspective. And Zach, just go ahead and preach, man. Just go ahead and preach to the, to the choir. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, you, you said it. It's like Andy John. Um, it's a higher floor prospect because they don't have necessarily the physical like look of Cameron James, for example. You know, six six basketball body. They they may not be as highly rated, and that's fine. I'm going to take every defensive tackle ever who ever puts up 62 tackles for loss in a season. I I don't care about. They could have played one A. I, I don't care. Any defensive <laughs> lineman Clemson wants, I'm okay with too. Yeah. Yeah, and because even though he's stouter, I think he's got great explosiveness and very good athleticism as well, and he just packs a punch. I think he's the type of defensive lineman they want that's going to bring you know, a lot of grit to the table as well as the athleticism, and I think we saw a lot of one or the other from the last coaching staff when they were recruiting defensive linemen. So a, couple, a few things for you, Zach. Um so obviously, Coach Chaos is recruiting at an elite level right now. You'd say, right? Yeah, I would say All so. Right. That's, so that's we Coach come Chaos. Out. He's their highest rated uh, recruiter yeah. right now, I believe. Right? Yeah, I think he's yeah. six, yep. like number six. six. Doing phenomenal. Yeah. So we don't say hypothetically. We only come out. We one. We either don't come out of this class with the nose, or th- two, it's a low three start has to be developed, and we have to hope. We saw how that went with for us this past cycle and spring for a transfer. Mm-hmm. Is that a – I don't care who – I don't care if you get Keeley. Is that a complete class? Because I, I say it's not. If you don't get the nose? If you don't get eight – like, I need at least a solid nose. You know, you don't have to need a five-star. You can be – maybe one that can eat up five snaps. But the main thing is, ideally, I'd have, like, a, a plus one, you know, um, one who's soft, you know, pretty good and a developmental just for our numbers. If not, you're depending on the transfer portal, and we saw, saw what happened with um, you know, with the Miami. Uh, sorry, with the uh, Maryland transfer. Yeah, Jackson. So, and, and we're screwed right now. So, like, if and everyone, for example, used to hate. They still do. They hate on Valentino. You tell me one Gator fan who wouldn't beg for Valentino right now? Sure, because I, we, we need bodies. Exactly, and, and you need players that can come in and contribute immediately. So Absolutely. that's why. You know, I do understand the idea of getting a transfer. I, I don't think they would miss on one for two years in a row because that need, it became really clear in the spring that Desmond Watson wasn't progressing to where they wanted him to and that the depth wasn't where it should be. Um, so I, I don't, those were bad losses for sure. Because I think aside from receiver, that was pretty clearly the biggest need from the portal. I think if they take a, an average take there and then make that need priority number one a whole nine yards in the winter to spring transfer portal and you get one i think it's fine i think you can get by but i I, exactly it's a hope it's a hope whereas right now there's there's a Caden mcdonald you know there very well could be other defensive linemen that rise as late bloomers in the state of florida that you take 
Um, but you have to you have to rebuild the depth at that position because it's very clear that they don't have a starter they're fully capable or comfortable with, much less depth at the position. So you need to at least set it up for the long term. And then the cherry on top would be a transfer as well to come in and play immediately. I but do, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's the thing that I want Mike that we kind of go back and forth on is even if we get a five-star defensive tackle or nose, the chances for him coming in next year and being able to compete, the real, what we really have to do because of what the, the last staffs and Turner and uh, Mullins failure is we're going to have to get a portal guy regardless because we can't expect to get a true freshman in, whether it's the best, the number one deep nose tackle in the country. Um, are we hoping we get McDonald and Hall? But if it's the number one D tackle in the country, the chance of him coming in and being able to compete in SEC, we don't play in the ACC, we don't play in the Pac-12. For him to come into the SEC and be able to be ready is going to be very, very, very hard and complicated. So to Mike's be rotational at best. Yeah, he'd be well, rotational. Technically, the definition of a five-star is, is that he's an impact player. And he would – that's the definition of a five-star. Not, not on the D-line. That's different. Yeah, he, he, he should be in the rotation. If you're a five-star player, let's just say top 20 in the country, and you don't get – if Keeley is not rotating, he's 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 not – He's not where he's he not be. performing to. He's his not where way. he should be. That's the bottom line. But my point is, is Katie McDonald would be a good get. We all would absolutely talk about be phenomenal. Be and all, but they're not top twenty in the country. So my, my point is, if he gets those two nose tackles, do we still have a need to get a guy from the portal? Am I wrong? It depends think, on the develop. I'm sorry. I'm curious to what y'all think about that. I think I'm going to make the same point as you. It's going to depend on the development of certain guys. Yes. And Desmond Watson obviously yeah. is the one that we want to see that with physically. Exactly. Chris McClellan is yes. one I would keep an eye on. And I thought he was going to be more of a three technique coming out, but he's the size of a nose tag. I mean, he's very similar size to Caden, um, maybe a little bit taller, but not too much. Uh, if you need to move him to nose, I know they've been impressed with his development as is. And, and it speaks to your point, Wes, that he may not necessarily come in and play a ton this year, despite their need. Even though he was, in my opinion, a very good addition to the class, they still just probably won't want to throw him into the fire of playing in the SEC, especially coming from, and granted, he played at a good school, but going out and playing in Oklahoma and then coming and playing in the SEC, I just don't think they're going to want to rush that onto him. But by year two, if he keeps up with the progress, maybe he's the starting nose tackle. And then if you've got a Caden or a Jordan Hall, then you're sitting a lot prettier, don't necessarily need to go to the portal. But as of now, I do think you probably need one of both just to shore things up. Okay. And, I mean, Desmond Watson, you know, I'm, he's uh, really let me down because he so much potential, and he's going he's gone backwards. If he had a, uh, he's actually he, shown a lot of progress here this last couple of weeks. Is yeah, like I a mean, lot of reports. A lot of reports. What he get? What did he get to the uh, weight he arrived on on campus a year ago? But you know, but I digress. If he had Ethan White's work ethic, we'd be talking about a potential um, um, all SEC in year three. But we don't. That's a deep dive. All right. So on the scholarship breakdown. We have defensive tackle, got uh, Jamari Lyons and Chris McClellan as a freshman, right? Then you have uh, Richard, Richard, Richard freshman, Desmond Watson, and Jalen Humphreys, uh, Dexter, Jalen Lee as your um, as your uh, juniors right now, and then Griffin McDowell. No comment. So I mean that it's as your D tackles, that's your D tackles and SEC. 
And you have what? You have uh, McClellan. He's from Oklahoma. He's a very soft body in terms of, like, he needs to develop it. We don't know about his technique. So, I mean, I hope – I truly hope that, you know, everything works out. But right now, like, when we miss on the Maryland transfer, you couldn't miss on him. You you just couldn't because you need that a proven body. You didn't have to overpay. But he wasn't proven. Has he played college ball? 12 snaps. Has he played college ball? 12 snaps. He's wanted by two. Then why is he wanted? Is Coach Because he's good? a big body. Hold on, hold on. Is Coach Chaos good? Yes, elite. Yes, yes or no? Did I say he was elite? I no, said he's a good – that doesn't – He's getting paid a million dollars. So is he, is he a good coach? Coach in the NFL. He, want, he wanted him. Okay. Right. So I'm I, not I mean, saying, but he's not proven. That's what you said. You said he's proven. Proven in college. Like he's, he's moving. He's, he's moving the goalposts. I'm not moving the goalposts. Proven goal is, goal. is right, actually fine. having a stat line. Is he is he is he a person? <laughs> is he a person? He a person? No, is he, he a person? Yes. <laughs> he can verify he, he is a, a human being. <laughs> no, no, honestly though, I mean, does he does he have a is he a college body? I mean, he was wanted by us in Miami, so it wasn't like he's crap. He's got a big body. Okay. Is he solid? Is that proven? In I can opinion, eat a lot. Opinion? Does that prove I can play defensive tackle? <laughs> I didn't say he was great. Huh? Will he be in the two deep? Yes or no? I don't know. You want to? We don't know. We don't know. I guarantee you. Watch Miami. Watch why Miami the first couple weeks. Of you can. You're sitting there saying this is the SEC. He played at Maryland and couldn't start at Maryland. He couldn't play at Maryland because he wasn't ready. He's proved my point. Is he ready now? Thank you. Anyways, we're, is we're, we're he ready on. now? <laughs> we got first, go, ahead. Go, go ahead with the next question. Yeah, yeah. Hey, my real, real quick. He's, he, need a, he need a life jacket. No, right let's now. move on. Let's yeah, move yeah. on. Yeah. Bottom line, we need a nose. Okay. Now, so, you, said, you said you got some buddies over in the Tampa area. I've forever said Tampa is a better area than the overrated Miami in terms of talent. Miami is they never – it's horrible in the trenches, okay? They have edges, yes, but overall – Never have quarterbacks as well, but the main thing is overall, it has an AAU seven on seven mindset. Tampa, you get the true gritty football players, and it's forever underrated, just like state of Georgia is. State of Georgia has more talent now than the state of California. That's where football is a business. They're playing games down in, my, in, a, in a city in that range. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I think that there are better coaching staffs. For sure in Tampa. And I think that there's a lot better technique coming out. We see a lot more polished players coming out of that area. In return, I don't know. In some in some aspects, we are. But a lot of the time, I don't think we are seeing the stellar athleticism. You know, the South Florida speed that they talk about is just yeah. not the same. Yeah. And, and you see that specifically at skill positions. I don't. I can't think of a ton of great receivers to come out of Tampa as of late. Miami wins that battle. Absolutely. Um, tight ends, I would give it to Tampa. Offensive line, would give it to Tampa. Defensive line, I would give it to Miami. I think it's a good split, what, sure. I guess is what I'm trying to say, uh, of different styles of football. Um, but from all I can tell, and I think it's a statewide issue, uh, I know Billy Napier thinks this too, and I think we're going to see a lot done to address this in the coming years uh state of florida high school coaches everywhere are underpaid man it is oh, it's, it's bad it's horrendous i mean they are significantly falling behind to the states you say like georgia florida should be on or above georgia's level of high school resources 
And my dad coached not. football in Georgia, and I can tell you that's not even real good. So the fact that you make that wow. comment just is mind blowing to me. Yeah, I mean, some of these schools up in Georgia are suddenly putting up these like small university looking I think football campuses. complexes. Yeah. 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 And like I practiced on a field that didn't drain, even though I was in Jacksonville, which, you know, I think has some solid resources and is definitely not a, a big high school football city. But uh, it's a place that I think should have decent stadiums and decent again, resources, and even there we just weren't getting it. Much less, you go down to Miami and you see these places are not in great shape. You see that these coaches aren't necessarily overly qualified to be teaching technique. Not all of them. Some very good coaches down there. I don't want anyone to get mad at me. But but a lot of these players are missing that when they get to the next level. And I think Florida could really use an overhaul in how it allocates resources to high school football to prepare these players, not only – you know, to be good football players, but to instill, you know, the competitive mindset that like you were saying, Mike, to an extent is not really there so much in Miami, especially, you know, they, they do like to mess around and have fun, which is great. They have great football players there, but I think that we can kind of use the balance. That's a great point. I have my last thing uh, really quick. Um, So obviously Bill Napier has, you know, spread tentacles all over the state of Florida and I absolutely love it. Um, how, how do you think, um, what do you think of that strategy? And also how do you think that'll benefit us in the 24 cycle? The spreading of testicles over the tentacles. <laughs> tentacles. It was definitely tentacles. <laughs> it sounded like <laughs> testicles. Hey, I mean, you know, I would get it. I'm under the weather. If I can, if I'm, if I'm allowed to say it like, yeah, I do think he has dragged his balls across the state of Florida when it comes to recruiting the state of Florida. You can remove that part from the pot if that shouldn't be there. Um, but, you're fine you're fine i mean no he's he's done a great job again of that 500 mile radius yeah. and it extends into georgia up towards atlanta it gets to birmingham alabama but it's the entire state of florida they're plucking talent out of everywhere i think that they're going to end up with more kids from south florida by the time the cycle's over and certainly try and knock over that I guess, barrier to bring in a lot more players in the 24 cycle. I think it's all, again, part of the process. You know, you get down there and the first thing that happens to you is uh, Uncle Luke is spreading crap about you (laughs) when you first take the job. I don't know if anyone takes Uncle Luke seriously around the rest of the state, but I'll (laughs) give him this. about 1988. Yeah. In fairness, (laughs) they do in Miami. That may have kind of delayed Florida start there a little bit. And, and I think that they're they're trying to get in. They've got some good coaches, I believe, down recruiting that area. And it's just going to take time. Again, we've, we've seen it. We saw it with IMG. We've seen it with starting to get there with keeping the elite in-state talent home. I think there's still a couple more dominoes you want to knock over, like a, like a Dijon, like a Cormani McLean, winning one of those John Walker, Derek LeBlanc battles, for example. But, but it's getting there, and I think that we're going to see that you know move over into the Miami area. If not by the end of this year, then certainly in the next cycle. Awesome. Um, real quick, because it came up this last week, uh, safety Bryce Thornton out of Georgia. You know, a lot of rumors that he's down to us, Alabama. Um, but there's also a lot of word out there that he's not a take right now. What are you hearing? I'm not hearing anything specifically on whether or not he's a take. What I will say is, and I know this pretty confidently, 
Florida is not concerned about numbers in the secondary. Wow. I don't think they're concerned about numbers in a lot of positions because they understand the depth concerns. defensive line for sure was that. Yeah. that there was almost a anybody is welcome policy. Defensive <laughs> line, I think we're seeing it at wide receiver. Uh, I don't know if there's going to be any ups and downs by the end of the class, but right now you've got five committed. Like that's that's a lot of receivers. Um, and, and it's the same thing in the secondary. Um, and, and Bryce is a versatile player with a lot of length and great ball skills, which is something that the staff is very – clearly coveted to start off their tenure here. I mean, we've seen that out of a Patrick Tony defense and out of, um, out of Corey Raymond cornerbacks going back as long as they've been coaching is lengthy, speedy players who can play the ball. We'll do the rest. We'll teach you the technique. You just bring us those traits and and we'll get you. And and Bryce is one of those players. Uh, I think all the uh, defensive backs they have in this class kind of meet those thresholds right now. And Dijon Johnson is another one. I've been telling people this, and they don't like it. They do not like it when I make this comparison. I see a lot of Kyer Elam in Dijon Johnson, in the type of player he is. Now, I'm not trying to say he's going to be as great. Absolutely, yeah. But physically, and the strengths of their game, when Elam was a high school senior at the Benjamin School, I think he was 6'1", 185, ran a 4'5", and was great in man coverage. Dijon 6'1", 189, runs a 4-5 flat in his graded man coverage. You know, they win with a lot of technique there. Um, but I think uh, to to the larger point is that they, they very clearly have a type. They're very clearly trying to completely flip a lot of position rooms. And with that, w- with the restrictions being lifted from 25 scholarships in a class – I, I think a position like defensive back where you have three different positions, they're just not that concerned about it. So a guy like Bryce, if he wants to come to Florida over Alabama, I think they're not going to think twice about it because that's a win over Alabama. And, and it applies to their strategy of taking the good defensive backs that meet what they want out of a secondary. Number. So yeah. You, so, hold on, real quick, yeah. Wes, I just, cause I wanted to bring this up cause it was fresh today that we also heard that Jordan pride would, would, you know, the, safety commit for FSU would be taking a visit for the Utah game as well. So they're obviously still looking at some safeties. Certainly. And and I think that they also are really banking on positional versatility. Dijon Johnson, they like at corner quite a bit. They also would consider playing him at safety from what I understand. <laughs> Sharif Denson is someone that they project as a star, could very easily play outside cornerback, has a ton of experience there. Aaron Gates, they view – as a corner who could also play safety. Um, who else? Why am I blanking on Jackson? This? Jackson, they view as an outside corner purely um, from what I understand. But that's the thing is like, they have several guys that can do several different things. And then several guys that they know are plug and plays. Like they get Cormani McLean. They're not thinking twice. He is a cornerback. It, it, it's done. He yeah, and your team are your guys. One side of the field shut down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Then you've got Dijon. Yeah, and Dijon can come in and make that cornerback class even greater. Or if you need him to, you can move him to safety. Uh, Same with an Aaron Gates. Uh, Same with – does Bryce have experience playing corner? I think he does. I'm not completely sure on that. Um, I think he does. I didn't know a lot about Bryce until this week, you know, even though he's a Georgia kid. um, He's another one of those that's probably a little lower ranked than he will end up being because of, you know, just looking at his offer list alone. Yeah. You know, you know how these ranking services work. A lot of these kids start getting offers from Bama, Florida, Georgia, and stuff like that. Yep. 
the elevation right the elevation is right behind. So James. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was, Wes, you got a question you wanted to ask real quick? Yeah, I want to go into uh we 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 just talked about numbers and there's uh not a number that you know the coach staff or Billy Napier and whole sees. Um, let's go to Mike's baby. Uh, he loves to get on my D line. So let's go to the O line. Uh, do you see this successful with uh, Lovett and Harris? I mean, I mean, we have a lot of inexperienced guys that may have to play and step in next year. So to that same thought process, that an energy that Mike has towards our D line, the true nose. Um, do you see that class? If we get in, nobody else. If we just finish with Lovett and Harris, because the people that I've there's a couple guys on our board, uh Kaden Jones and some other guys that we may be uh that hasn't committed yet, but a lot of those guys we're gonna have to flip. So my concern is not Mike's concern because he trusts and, and he backs it up with what he says. So I give him credit for that as far as the development of the staff. But to my I'm concerned that we need more guys there, uh more guys with uh I I, I love love and I love Harris, I love the film. But I, I, I'm concerned about the O-line. So if we get in it, nobody else, with the numbers that we can get, there's no limit. How do you feel about that? I like the Harris and Lovett takes. Personally, love the Harris take. <clears throat> I think he's going to be a lineman that can play sooner rather than later at center or maybe guard. That being said, since this staff transition, my Biggest need all around, I've said it since day one, was landing blue chip offensive tackle talent. I don't think they need the guards. They recruited a lot of guards or tackles that turned into guards under the last coaching staff, and they have like 13 scholarship backups on the line right now. So someone's going to hit at some point. There's going to be a guard or two that end up being pretty good from that depth. But they need blue chip tackle talent. I think we knew that the entire time uh, Mullen was here. I think it goes back to since Martez Ivy signed, and even that didn't work out, but he was, you know, blue chip talent. You, you want to get those types of guys. So I would view it as harsh as this sounds. If the class only ends up being the two commits they have right now, I, I would view that as a failure. Uh, they've noticed, they they knew immediately that offensive tackle was a big need because they've done their due diligence on just about everyone in the state of Florida. Uh, They've done their due diligence on plenty from the state of Louisiana, given their ties. Even Monroe Freeling, he's a top like 70 or so player who it's like Notre Dame or Clemson bound pretty much this entire time since he emerged as a national recruit. And they've done serious work to get into the top schools for him. He really enjoys it here. Do I think he ends up here? Not necessarily. He seems like he could end up at, you know, in the state he's at now at Clemson or Notre Dame is obviously so well known for its offensive line development. It would make sense. But if they put all their chips in his basket, who's to say he won't come? Because again, it's the same pitch. We need a blue chip tackle. We might have some bodies here, but you come in here and you're competing very early to come and make an impact for this team. Um, So I I look at him and I look at Caden Jones specifically as, as the targets to watch moving forward. And if those guys don't work out, then you, probably have to do some work on flipping someone. I don't know what those options will look like at this point. Um, but you, but I do really like those two prospects that they have in mind. And I think that honestly, they, they probably have a pretty solid shot with Jones. Cause I know he's, he, when I last talked to him, he said that he wants to commit on or right around early signing day. He has a top five, but he only has plans to officially visit Florida and Texas A&M 
in December, right before signing day. Those other schools will get officials. Maybe it'll be earlier in the season and they can impress him. But he knows for a fact he wants to OV to Florida and A&M right before making his decision. Might better hope. Well, <laughs> well since day one, we've uh, preached, you know, be patient, you know, watch evaluations. And luckily we have a lot of significant depth along the O-line. Okay. So, you know, I definitely agree. Like right now they're not getting the job done. I also believe that with them not having power five ties, you know, essentially playing catch up, that is going to um, hurt tremendously. And uh, your only true eval would have to be in a 24 cycle. So with that being said, you know, we do have a couple of chips on the board still. Um, you know, like you said, Freely, Lemu out of Arizona. I really like Caden Jones. Um, but I'm I'm in the same uh, boat where like I you know I, I'll trust um, you know in the inside group, but you need at least one or two blue chip tackles. Like even if you get one, I fine. And like a Caden Jones, I'll be okay with it. So, do you think we should be uh, just worried in general, or like hey, just the wait and see approach? Just let some more chips fall, we'll be okay. I mean, I think you could go with a healthy mix of both because we've okay. seen e- even when they miss on a Jaden Rashada, right? They come out and they have a backup plan pretty right. quickly. They go and execute. So if they end this cycle without a blue chip offensive tackle, and, and maybe that's not a top 100 player, but let's call it top 250-ish offensive tackle. If they go the rest of this cycle and don't get one, yeah, I start to think that maybe the offensive line recruiting isn't up to par because um, we've seen a lot of these positions, even with late starts, start to get up to par pretty quickly. And I, again, I, I think every Florida fan would have told you from a pure high school recruiting standpoint, offensive tackle was priority number one when you come in and replace John Hevesy and the recruiting he was doing previously. They've got to get out of here with someone. And yeah. even if it is a Caden Jones who may not be as highly rated as a Freeling or some of these other tackles, He's a guy with connections that that you should know um, from Louisiana pretty well. And you can offer him quite a bit uh, of an intriguing spot to come here and play at Florida. They should be able to get a player like him. Yeah, I think that depth chart um, that we currently have with the upperclassmen, that's allowed for a kid that would take, you know, just a couple years to develop and then refocus and like, hey, if, if you don't get the job the next cycle, like you got to go. You got to go. Now, um, just la- lastly, with the uh, – the couple of others on the staff, obviously we're not taking a, a tight end this cycle, but I am high on P- uh, William Piegler, tight ends coach. Now, um, would you say the staff is on the uh, same same page, even though, you know, he even though he's not getting a, a kid? Same with Bateman as well, who is, you know, he's got us? I think so. Um, I think that they're really going to go back and evaluate how the staff did in recruiting once the season's done. So they may not be too concerned, although they, you know, they certainly were pressing for a linebacker. So they've got to be happy. They got Robinson. I personally don't think they should be done recruiting linebackers, uh, but we'll kind of just see how that goes. But with tight ends. Yeah. They're not taking one as of now. I think they would have taken the right one if it fell into their laps, but as of now, that's just not happened. And there's really not much steam suggesting that it will. Um, but with Piegler, I mean, I guess my biggest thing is look at what he did with Dante Zanders, moving him right back in granted spring game, but two years of defensive line play. And then to turn around and within two weeks, you're Florida's leading receiver in the spring game. I think that's a pretty good sign that William Piegler at least knows <clears throat> on the field, how to develop a tight end, which was a question mark coming in. He's got experience coaching tight ends briefly, 
but he made his money by coaching running backs at Michigan State, taking the transfer of Kenneth Walker and sending him off to the NFL and as a Heisman candidate. So that should give some fans confidence at the very least. Um, with tight end, especially being such an important position in this offense with an increase of 12 personnel coming, that he at the very least knows how to develop guys. And if recruits maybe in next cycle, you know, need to look back on what he's done so far, you can say, yeah, I took this defensive lineman who was considering leaving the school and turned him into one of our starting tight ends or one of our most used tight ends in this offense within six months. So imagine what I can do for you. Absolutely. For sure. Um, so, you know, you, Zach, you've touched on so much. Pretty much we've touched on every position. With all that being said, um, what do you think personally? How would you project this class to finish? I, I mean, top 10, top, you know, seven. Given that you know that we're willing to take the numbers that we're willing to take, obviously that will have an impact on that as well. Yeah, I'm just so curious to see not just for Florida, but how the rest of this cycle goes. Because we've not really seen many flips. We've seen prospects wait a while before committing to classes because of coaching carousels. They really started to push these dominoes over in the summer compared to when they used to be in the spring, Um, which makes me think they're going to be a lot more flips in the fall and winter than we're used to. And obviously that can totally shake up the entire top 10, not just Florida. So it's hard for me to project But with their momentum right now, I would certainly bet on a top 10 finish. I personally really like where they are with Cormani McLean. I don't know for a fact that they're going to get him. The number two player in America that's down to Florida and Bama tends to go to Bama. So it's one of the bigger, if not the biggest test this staff has faced on the recruiting trail, quite possibly. But they get Cormani McLean you know that there are going to be more players that consider coming and joining him, possibly flipping from elsewhere. Who's to say they can't get into that top seven? Who's to say that they can't push even higher if they do open that floodgate near the end of the season? I I certainly wouldn't rule it out. I would say I'm pretty comfortable saying right now they should finish with a top 10 class and I wouldn't rule out going any higher. Um, Obviously it also depends on how the season goes, but I will commend Napier for this. I do think he's done a good job of selling these players on, you're not coming to Florida and committed to us because we're going to win games right now. You're coming here to be the future that we're trying to build. And I think a lot of players have bought into that. So it might prevent players from flipping out of the class compared to what we might see across the landscape. That's excellent. That's an excellent vision to have because, you know, most people will say, well, oh, we've, I've even seen it on Twitter, but if this team doesn't go out and win X amount of games, you know, this class, it's not going to matter what he does. But that's not a good recruiter. You know, Urban didn't come in and set the world on fire his first season. I mean, he went nine and three. He went, it was a respectable, you know, the bump class just looked competent. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, it just, that's, you got you to know. go out there and, and show improvement based on obviously anything's pretty much an improvement over last year, but, you know, just just look like you're moving the needle forward, not backwards. But sure. that being said, you know, we're going to move on from recruiting for a while because for right now because, you know, this week you got to take a tour of the new facility, man, and I know a lot of people would like to know, you know, what was what were some of the highs of that tr- of that visit of just being able to see that facility in person and, you know, that few people have gotten to see so far. 
$85 million, slightly under, actually, because apparently they were within the budget, well spent. I mean, that is that is a state-of-the-art facility if I've seen one. And granted, I've not toured many, but that one is pretty nice. Um, state-of-the-art lockers, um, a lot, a lot of focus on recovery, uh, rehab, prehab, uh, sleeping habits. I mean, players will fall asleep in their lockers on those reclining chairs, and there is like sleeping therapy, even on the floor. floor. Uh, Maybe on the floor, uh, but not. But I mean, I'll tell you what they are they they are not going to be touching their head on one part of the lockers and their feet on the other. That's fair. Um, But these these chairs have tech, and and I forget exactly what they are, and I'm not the most tech savvy person to describe it. But basically, there's some sort of therapy within these chairs that if they sleep for let's call it 30 minutes to an hour, it's going to feel like numerous hours of sleep and really give them a good recharge. Um, They have cryotherapy. I believe I pronounced that right. Yes. Two, two chambers. One of them gets down to negative 67, the other uh, negative 167 there. There's like video cameras in there to make sure players do not stay in more than three and a half minutes. Um, Three different types of recovery pools. And some of them have treadmills. Um, those pictures that was really cool <laughs> yeah like i mean there's so many different cool aspects to it with like the food the gator room the lounge area but everywhere you turned it's there was almost something designated for football recovery in prehab and i think those advancements are going to do so much in terms of keeping players healthy keeping them energized keeping them motivated to to buy into what the program's doing, to buy into the conditioning and strength programs. They've got every resource they need to be tip-top football players right at their fingertips. Maybe that's why they use the term indefinitely now, because they just don't know how fast they're going to be back with with all this <laughs> yeah. technology available. <laughs> Certainly. Any, anything that I, – I know this is going to be a nitpick question, but anything that you thought – I can't believe that's not in here. Anything missing? Um, that says it all. That's all we needed to hear. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, like I said, either, that's a that's a either, nitpick question. But it's you know, either it's either my non-answer or the rec- the recording studio that Dan Mullen originally offered them just to get Kadarius Tony to come back because they oh, didn't end Lord. up including that. But they replaced that with a VR room that's going to have a golf simulator. So personally, and I think that's shop. a win. And a barber shop right next door. Uh, the barbershop is a win for me. Same here. Same here. <laughs> Obviously, right now it's a um, you know NIL is huge, but it's a, it's an arms race with facilities. So, how much do you think this will help with recruiting? I mean, from all I understand, this has got to be one of the nicest, if not the nicest, facility out there right now. Yeah, that could change in six months because programs are always building new facilities and trying Absolutely. to beat the last one. But this is exactly what Florida needed. I think everyone knows this is exactly what Florida's needed in its arms race for a long time. Um, And players are going to come in and see this state-of-the-art technology, see this amazing lounge area, see that the school is giving three meals a day, five days a week to every single student athlete at the school, scholarship or walk-on. These aren't things you're seeing at other facilities. It's exactly the – I don't think a lot of recruits are truly basing their decisions off of facilities. It's supposed to be the cherry on top. This is about as juicy, I guess, of a cherry that you can put on top of the Sunday. Um, it's just it, – it's got every bell and whistle, like Napier said. 
Um, and, and that's going to catch the eyes of recruits. The therapy and recovery aspect is going to catch the eyes of them and their parents. It, it's the total package uh, when it comes to this arms race that right now I would say Florida's out ahead on. Cool, cool. I appreciate that, man. Uh, I know the fans are going to love to hear that. Um, yeah. Last question for you before we get you out here and Hurst may have something else to finish up on, but uh, we know that you've seen some practices as well. This is kind of a two-part question. Uh, on, and I'm going to give you both sides of the ball, offense and defense. Uh, who has stood out to you? And it, this could be the same player on both sides. Um, who would you also say that is a, a player or a name that fans should get to know that they probably haven't heard yet um, on both sides? So kind of two-part. First question again is a player on offensive defense that has stood out to you that you that that we we are going to know regardless because that's going to help the team win and a player maybe an X factor X factor type player that uh, maybe that isn't in the starting lineup that's going to get a lot of playing time that fans should get to know. I I'm probably going to have to go offensively with Ricky Parasol and. Yes, he did not practice for eight practices. I still don't necessarily believe he's at 100%. Uh, there were some times at the end of routes yesterday where, you know, he would take it a little easier. But even running routes for the first time in eight days yesterday, he still looks like the receiver that does something that no one else on the team can do. You know, he is the type of guy that can that provides some shiftiness and speed in the open field. You know, you can throw him screens and he can go and break off for plenty of yards after the catch and Florida just doesn't have those types of receivers. And I think these expectations are already on him when he's healthy to be exactly that type of player that they didn't previously had. But again, even with a, with a not 100% foot, he was still making, you know, shifty football moves out there yesterday that other receivers weren't making. So I do have pretty high expectations for him defensively. There are several, um, there's several on the D line, not at tackle, but defensive end. Um, I think Snap. Prince Liu, Prince Liu and looks solid and he's expected to be a starter. And I don't mean to take away from him when I say his backups, but Sap, absolutely. Justice Boone, absolutely. Two very good looking defensive ends who I think could make an impact. I think they should have a very strong rotation on that strong side opposite of where Brenton Cox plays. And maybe some of those guys like Boone or Sapp could also play Cox's position in a pinch, although they do have depth there. Um, guys that aren't maybe as well known at this point on both sides of the ball. I'm going to go Trevor Etienne at running back, even though they've got a lot of talent there. I think he's going to play. I'm convinced at this point he may not even redshirt. Um, I think he's going to be pretty heavily involved. I think he has the best footwork of the entire running back room from what I've seen on numerous instances where they do those individual drills and they specifically focus on footwork sharp as can be. I think he's a lot more of a complete back than we realized too, because he barely ever caught the ball. I mean, they didn't run much of a passing offense in his high school and he's come in and had pretty good pass blocking technique and has been solid catching the ball out of the backfield. I think that this is really going to give him a chance to come in and make an impact as a freshman. Uh, Similarly on defense, like I was saying with the guys earlier, I think that there are several players you can pick from all freshmen. 
Uh, Devin Moore is a player that I loved coming out, and I know the staff was extremely high on him, higher than any other outlet you could have find or found. They thought he was probably a top 50 to 75 player in the class, and they purely viewed him as a corner. Everywhere else listed him as a safety. They knew they wanted him at corner. And as a result, he's stolen some first-team reps when he's been helped through camp. Now he's missed the past couple practices, but he was on a great track where I I was even told before fall camp started, there's a chance, a non-zero percent chance, he could be a starter at some point for this team this year. And we're hearing similar hype about Shamar James. You know, you know, we've seen inconsistency at linebacker in the past couple of years, and they have those upperclassmen starting. I don't think Ventro Miller's job's in jeopardy, but could Shamar James rotate at weak side linebacker with Amari Bernie? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think <laughs> I think we could see that with Kamari Wilson at safety because um, he offers the athleticism that I don't necessarily think Rashad Torrance or Trey Dean provide. Now they have – Probably, you know, better awareness in the secondary going against the speed that is college offenses in the SEC for several years. But I'm pretty confident, especially with his experience starting at, uh, <clears throat> at IMG, that, you know, he's aware enough to pretty quickly accelerate a- and learn how to play in a secondary at a full time basis. So I think he could certainly still snaps and potentially not redshirt either. Man, that's great. That's great insight. And man, we sure do appreciate it. Um, we're ready for this season, man. We're just ready for this season <laughs> to kick off and and see these kids and all these kids that we've heard so much about these last few weeks just get after it. If you had to guess before we get you out of here, what 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 are your expectations of the season? What do you think we finish at? All things being even, I mean, and, and I know you're not going to sunshine pump us. We don't have to worry about that. I think they go seven and five for now. I Everything. Think I think that's feasible. I think that is a respectable number, <coughs> actually, if you look at the strength of the schedule, but which we're going to cover that here in just a little bit. When Ask them the floor and the ceiling. I like that better. Open end question. I think, you I, think just the, did. I think the floor is six and six. I think the ceiling could also very well be something like nine and three. Everything really hinges on this Utah game for me. And I think. And it also hinges on AR. I mean, let's be honest. Absolutely. He goes down and suddenly the floor might be four wins. Let's not. Yeah. Let's not put that evil out there. This is a happy place. This is a happy place. I won't say that. I think the combination of the schedule the depth issues that Napier has pointed to all off season long to literally today, still saying that they're trying to figure out their two teams of depth up until this point. And last week being such a critical week of practice to determine who's going to take some of these depth jobs, maybe even some starting jobs. It's not the strength of a Florida roster that anyone is used to, even after the McIlwain era, even after the Muschamp era. It is significantly worse in terms of depth and balance in terms of numbers across the roster. And with that in mind, paired with going on the road to AM, paired with hosting the reigning Pac-12 champions in the first game of the Billy Napier tenure, even in an environment that they're just not used to, these are tough, tough games. And my thing is, let's say they go 7-5, and five, but they lose to Utah by four points but they lose to Texas A&M by three or four points on the road. 
They lose to LSU at home by a field goal. It's a score looks like that. One score games against these very tough opponents. I think those games probably turn into wins by year two. Again, with this foundation, they're slowly building with the process that they're getting everyone to buy into with the discipline they're instilling across the team and the refocus on techniques and making, you know, the playbook a little easier, but for everyone, for all of it to gel, I think it's going to take more than one off season, but we're seeing all the signs of progress that indicate, even if they go seven and five this year, very well could be a 10 win team next year, especially with the recruiting momentum that they picked up. Yep. Yep. Like, like Mike said earlier, you know, you just want to look competent. Exactly. Games. You want to look like you're moving that needle forward, like you're progressing, like you, you we want to see good tackling, solid defense, things that were missing the last year and a half, two two years that you could see steadily declining under Mullen, the, the, the missed tackles, the not, no takeaways, uh, just the penalties, all of that. Exactly. I think if you show that this year, even if you're going seven and five to eight and four, you're going to pull off a win or two that people aren't expecting you to pull off because you focused on the techniques, on the little things and getting it, every little thing figured out and going the right way. And assuming that is the case again, those one score losses, traditionally speaking for a first year head coach, usually turn into wins by year two. So I, I would have a lot of confidence if that's how it ended up seven and five, but you were in those games that you needed to be in. For sure. Guys, you got anything else you want to ask Zach before we get him out of here this evening? No, everything was perfect. I just want to say I appreciate you coming on, bud. Absolutely. Thank same you guys here. for having me. Yeah, same here. Uh, Mike just said, just appreciate you. All the knowledge, I know the fans appreciate it too when they listen in. So thank you for everything that you gave us. No doubt. Absolutely, man. Hopefully we have you back on in a few months and we've, we've got a lot of positive things more to talk about in this Billy Napier era. Guys, there's been Zach Goodall with us tonight. You can follow Zach's work with SI Alligators at Zach under slash Goodall on Twitter. Go give him a follow and check out his work that he does. Real fine gator. Zach, thanks again, man. We appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Have a good night, man. We got some other things we're about to jump into here, and we'll holler at you later. Sounds good. You guys have a good night. You too, man. Bye. Great times, great times, guys. Well, guys, we're going to jump right into some uh, some scrimmage notes, and then we're going to give y'all our um, – we're going to break down the schedule a little bit, but we're not going to take up too much more of your time here. We're going to get right after it. So, um, Wes, you want to give us some of the scrimmage notes from, from this last weekend? You mute. Wes Mayer may not be muted Wes right Mayer now, may not have his microphone on this evening. <laughs> yeah, uh – Sorry about that, fans. Um, but scrimmage notes and a little bit from the practices uh, of this week. Uh, give a little synopsis of that. Uh, first team uh, offense took on the second team defense and vice versa. First team defense took on the second team offense. They all look good. No INTs this week. Uh, no cut last week. He kind of threw a couple INTs, but this week he was good. All the running backs look good. Uh, uh, Zach just touched on ETN, who if he can have the same kind of freshman year and sophomore year that his brother had uh, in the footwork uh, down at Clemson, uh, uh, Travis, uh, that, that'll, that'll be good. Uh, a lot of buzz has been going on about the walk-on Ingle. Uh, 
everything, all the reports that he's looked like uh, with uh, Miller being out, and I'll touch on that later, he's looked good uh, with the second team. Uh, what well, I don't want to say with the second team, but just in getting those reps, taking advantage of his uh, situation, his opportunity to perform. Uh, he's looked good. Xavier Henderson and Dijon Reynolds also had uh, TDs in the scrimmage. Uh, but still, even though with that uh, output from the offense, the defense still looks like uh, they're a little bit ahead of the offense. Uh, when you kind of playing each other weekend, I mean, practicing each other every day, defense kind of knows the tendencies and kind of know what to look for uh, each and every day. So they're still leading. Uh, Napier also in his press conference this week brought up Sapp and Boone. Uh, they continue to be like a reign of terror. Zach just mentioned those guys. So those are two names that may not be starting on defense that you want to get familiar with, uh, with uh, Justin Boone and Tyreek Sapp. Uh, with the injury report, I just spoke about Jack Miller. He will be out for, uh, as Napier said, his press conference for at least two weeks. Spoke about Engel and Kitna being the backups. Kind of looking like Engel is a little far ahead of uh, uh, Kitna at this point. Um, uh, Max Brown is also on the roster. So we still got three other quarterbacks, even though Miller is out. But kind of looking like Engel might be the second team guy. Uh, he does. Uh, he has been in school for a while, so that may give him the little leverage as well. Um, Ethan White, Jason Marshall, and uh, Ricky were in uh, non-contact jerseys, but as Zach just said, they were back at practice where as far as Ricky was, and uh, he still kind of just seemed like he may be favoring that foot, but to have him there and knowing he's going to be ready for week one, Jason Marshall will be ready for week one, Ethan Mar- I mean, excuse me, Ethan White will be also for week one, so that is good, and we also got some news that Jason, uh, excuse me, Justin Shorter uh, is out with an undisclosed injury. Hopefully we can get him back from week one. If we find out anything in the meantime, we'll let you guys know, but he's going to be a key part with that veteran experience and um, him lead, really being a leader in that, uh, in that room. So hopefully we can get Justin uh, back uh, and on the field. Yes, sir. So that's it. And like, you know, Billy had his press conference today and had a lot of good things to say, but Zach touched on a lot of that. Uh, just like he said, Travis Ntien looks really good. Um, Sap looks really good. I mean, we're just – the young guys are really look like they're going to step up and get some good playing time, just like uh, Zach also touched on. So, that being said, guys, we're going to – Hey, talk- Hirsch, one sec on that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just a couple of things from that. Based on, on off the scrimmage notes, um, with Xavier Henderson and Dejon, uh, Dejon Reynolds, I really like uh, – I really like Henderson uh, – sorry – Reynolds to uh, break out this year, but if we can get Henderson to be that you know ver- that guy that can you know get over the top of the offense, that'll be a- absolutely tremendous for opening it up for us. So that's definitely a bright spot. Also, you can't definitely you can't glance over um, we have a redshirt junior walk on you know who is currently uh, over our two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. Um, the good news is. Apparently he's playing well. Um, you know, one of those closer to the vest, maybe possibly even like a stance submitted type, who just gets the job done. You know, we, you know, we do have a strong O line, strong running game, and um, you know, hopefully we can just put him in a position to succeed as a worst case scenario. So we do not hit that floor of the four wins, and we can just at least have a confidence at a, you know, at the quarterback position. Yeah, and real quick, as you were bringing up receivers, that made me remember that one thing that was specifically brought up by Napier today is uh, Caleb Douglas has been really, really, really yeah, good. Yeah, heard a lot about um, him too. He was – Napier raved about Caleb Douglas and his size and his ability to go after the ball at so, during his press conference. So was a, deep, a good eval? 
Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a pretty good eval. Okay. That Kerry yeah. Colbert guy, uh, fans may okay. have, fans, y'all may have. That's Mike's guy. I, that is absolutely it Mike's won. guy. We it will won. give Mike the credit on that. But the fan base that canceled Kerry Colbert before uh, Na- National Signing Day even got here, y- y'all need to do some soul searching because that man <laughs> has been lights out. So, like we said, guys, now we're going we're just going to get into a little schedule breakdown. We're going to, you know, do a little just rapid fire on the schedule here and, and just talk about each and every game real quick and what our opinion is on it. So we're, we're going to start right out, obviously, 10 days. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking on this because next week's show we're going to do a, a, a much deeper look at Utah. But for the sake of first game on the schedule, Wes, what you think? Florida, Utah. Uh, Utah in the swamp, night game, week one, 34-17, UF, the environment. We win AR, starts his Heisman campaign. Ooh, that's that's what the hype man brings to you right there, ladies and gentlemen. Well, a lot of points. All gas, no brakes. <laughs> they gave up a lot of points to Ohio State, too, so. Mike? Points. Um, all right, so uh, keep in mind, that's a sold-out night game. Um Yours truly will be there, so um, hopefully boots on uh, the ground. Yeah, a bit of tra- hey, boots on the ground, um, and hopefully I will be b- better by then. We but, might have we might have some kind of special uh, in the streets with with Mike <laughs> edition if if hey, things get wild next weekend, guys. I'm a man of the people, do whatever I can. But uh, all, all seriousness, Utah, I have nothing but respect for that program. I love what uh, what Ham's done. Just you know, stuff us in a locker last year for I won't say the running back's name was Glover, but he just runs a pro, he's a program well, coach phenomenally. And however, with that being said, you know they did lose what I think would have helped them uh, with Devin Lloyd to attack uh, uh, pretty much a QB spy with Anthony Richardson. And there's no way you can replace him. And what he did, he was pretty much could attack on three different levels, linebacker form. So I just think it's a great matchup. Overall, and uh, you know, our, we're going to win with our power run game and lean on them third quarter with the humidity is where we really push through. Probably about twenty eight uh, to seventeen. I love y'all's confidence. I love y'all's optimism. Twenty seven seventeen. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to do a score prediction right now. I'm going to save that for next week when we when we do our breakdown. Um, but y'all hit on obviously the great points. Um, it's going to be a heck of an environment, one I don't think we've seen since that old Miss game when McIlwain ran old Miss out the building. Um, I think it's going to be that same kind of environment. But it's going to be tough, I know that. And like I said, we'll, we'll say more about Utah next week, but that is going to be a very well-coached team. Absolutely. And that, that will be their strong point. It may, may not have the best talent, but they will be coached solidly. So with that being said, you know, the first we got we got night games rolled up here, guys. One, two, three, just night games in the swamp. Week two, Kentucky. I know Mike loves to hate Kentucky, so we're gonna we're gonna throw it to Mike first and let him talk about Kentucky. I wouldn't even say it's Kentucky and Mike Stoops. Once again, he's uh, I absolutely uh, admire what he's done for that program, and now he's just going head to head with uh, Cal Perry. But he's definitely built them up, and um, however. What I don't respect is well, Will Levis, who puts mayonnaise in coffee, is a communist. So, <laughs> but the main thing is he's projected as a top ten pick, and um, 
They're a solid team. Very, very solid team. Always well coached every every single year, year in, year out. It's become like a mini robbery in terms of, you know, that head-to-head kind of inter- – and um, definitely t- will be a tough one. However, they're missing the star running back who had a DUI uh, – has a DUI suspension. And they weren't able to pull in that uh, transfer receiver from uh, from Alabama. And I think we think – I just think we out-talent them. I mean, Will Levis had, I want to say, 87 yards last year against uh, Todd Grantham, and I know how everyone feels about him, and that was at home. So, I mean, there's no reason. I think we're better across the board for the most part, and we're better coached and more disciplined. And with that night game, I just think it's going to put us over the top. Wes? Yeah, um, Emory Jones. I'll be there as well. (laughs) Emory Jones, Anthony Richardson. uh, Lost a close game last year. Uh, yeah, like through one pass. I'm not even counting AR in that game. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this this time around. Oh, I got you. Uh, with 50 offensive line uh, false starts that we couldn't get set because we were that same type of environment. I believe we, our fans, would deliver to them with that supposedly. Let me put my quotes there. First round pick quarterback that they have. I believe in Tony. Uh, I believe that we would shut that down. They also lost, like Mike said, they. I don't think I don't know if he said this part or not, but their first that their receiver that he had that the, the guy was really good, yeah, him, um, spectacular. But even though they didn't really pass the ball against, I think we beat ourselves last year. So I think this team is better than uh, they were last year. Speaking about Florida, and I think we'd be more disciplined, we'd be well more coached. We have the home team, uh, so of course UF. Uh, I think I'll give a score when we when, when it's time for that game. I'm not yeah. even going to give this a whole lot of thought. Kentucky ain't walking into the swamp in a night game with their star running back missing and coming out with a victory. If they if if Kentucky wins this game, then we may have some problems we didn't know Absolutely. we had before. Absolutely. So, so I'm not even going to spend a lot of time on that. Week three, night game again. South Florida. Sorry for you. Sorry for you guys. Do we need to spend a lot of time talking about it, South Florida, no. guys? Yeah, it is. Win. Win. <laughs> if we're <laughs> – I don't think that one even needs to be discussed. All right. We finally go on the road September 24th. Another night game, though, but we got to go to Knoxville and face the surrender Cobras. Wes, what's happening in Knoxville? What, what, what do we think? Can a duck pull a truck? I don't know, man. But, I don't know. Uh, the last time we said that was the only time we lost. I, I debated in my head whether I let's wanted to say that, that or not. Duck, let's put that duck away. <laughs> I thought I, I thought about that in my head, but I mean, the, they are media darlings right now. Um, a lot of people are loving them. Um, I love. I grew up off that rivalry in a sense um, that before it was Georgia it was like Tennessee, Florida. Um, we're going down there. I think we shut them down. I, I don't think. Uh, they can't for some reason they just can't beat us whether they should win or not. That's like one win in like how long? I, I have to, this is you know we're doing this breakdown of the schedule, but once okay. we get there, I have that number there. But nah, we go down. I think I have us four and up. Jeez, four and up. Yeah, Florida. Mike, it's um, Tennessee's at school. It's like the Mets and the Jets. When when something can go, if something can go wrong, it will go wrong, and that that will occur. And also, Josh Heupel is not really a good coach. He's, he, I mean, his scheme has been has now been seen throughout the SEC. I think there'll be adjustments. I do like um, Hooker as a quarterback. However, I think um, they did lose some weapons uh, to the draft as well. However, I think his uh, production will diminish when the uh, rest of the conference catches up. 
So I do have us taking that. It will be a hostile environment. And once again, kind of pull away um, late third. This will be the game that tests our depth on defense. This yeah. will be the game where we learn if we have depth on defense or not because they're going to run yeah. that high tempo at us. And Correct. we're going we're gonna to find out real quick in that environment what we're made of it's gonna be and loud. what kind of team we are. Um, but we don't lose to Tennessee until we lose to Tennessee. Correct. So, <laughs> week five, Eastern Michigan. Next. Um, <laughs> Win. Yeah. Week six, we come back around to our old buddy uh, Dinkowitz. I want to say it's homecoming too. I think that's going to be. I a, believe uh, that. I believe that is homecoming. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be a. Go nice ahead, summer. Mike. What do you think we're going to do to Missouri? I think it'll be. I think we'll win um, comfortably, uh, two scores, um, eight, um, you know, t- fifteen points right around there. Nothing crazy. It'll be an intriguing matchup. Obviously, you have the hopper angle, you know, stinks that we lost, and um, but I just think once again, talent wise, they're not there. Well, yeah, we yeah we owe that coach. He seems to have. I always say that Florida has more rivalries uh, than any college football team in the country. And this is something that Missouri kind of manufactured, factored, and they kind of like have beaten us a lot uh, more than I would like. Um, but I'm starting something uh, with Napier that I don't think we lose any home games. I think that's something that we have to take back the swamp. Uh, I think over his tenure, there'll be something that he preaches to the players like we own this and we don't lose here. Uh, I think Missouri coming home, um, coming to, to the swamp will be an L for them. And, uh, I think uh, AR puts up some big numbers to continue his Heisman campaign. Yeah, I, I, we're beating Mizzou. I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not even going to spend a lot of time on it. I, I think that we come off of Eastern Eastern Washington. I know I said Eastern Michigan a second ago, I believe. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> Eastern that's why, somebody. That's why I said dub. <laughs> yeah, Eastern somebody. I wasn't worried about it. As soon as they I saw come, Eastern, they can know, combine the teams and we still anything you see Eastern in front of it, it should be a dub. I mean, Correction was, yeah. <laughs> so then we're gonna get serious, guys. Week seven, LSU, the corn dogs come to town. Yeah, I just said that I think something that we're gonna do is take back home field. Um, as far as the swamp, uh, if you look at all the great coaches, they rarely lose at home. I think that's something that uh, Nippers gonna establish in uh year one at Florida, I kind of, I, 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 LSU, we owe them. And just like, all, if you go back and look, I don't care what the records are. These games are always close. Um, so I'm going to give an early projection. Of course, this is going to change. Depends on what uh, our health and their health is during the season and what uh, the win losses look at to that point. But to the point of those games, I'm going to give us 30-24. Mike? Um. This is how you know I'm sick. I actually agree with Wes. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it is at home. LSU, even they have technically like over the past like ten games, they have our number in turn, you know, on the record. However, it's always a good game. No oh, matter what, no matter good, bad, it's it's always a good game. You get something crazy like you know, some uh, degenerate uh, throwing a shoe, who knows? But it's just always a good game. No comment. I can't. I'm not allowed to comment contractually on any of the Wilson family. <laughs> um, 
But no, with that being said, it's going to be, and I think, I mean, heck, you can even put like Tennessee, sometimes uh, LSU, AM. A lot of these games, and Zach alluded to it, it's coin flip. If we, and I just, my guests, obviously, and AR is healthy, we're going to be dis- disciplined. You know, we're going to run the ball, protect the ball. And if they have the team has to come back from behind, we have uh, players that can uh, create turnovers, which we didn't have in the past. So I just, it'll be a close game, definitely within 10 points. But I do see us um, beating LSU and Brian Kelly not at, being acclimated to the SEC yet. And they don't even have a starting quarterback game. So I actually won't just quit. Um, my take, my take on this is is obviously you know right, whether you want to call it that or not, rivalry game to me. I I think absolutely. LSU has absolutely become a rivalry game. I think something that benefits us in this game is we don't have to worry about looking ahead. With the bye week following, correct, you can go out there, lay it on the line. You don't have you have time to heal up. To you know, you don't have to worry about going to Jacksonville the week after. You you can go out there and really at home lay it on the line and um I think you'll see that. I think you'll and like I think you'll see us be able to stop a counter this year as well, which, you know, makes a tremendous difference. If LSU can't run the same play thirty two times a game, we ought to have a better chance just statistically speaking there. So then like I said, week eight bye. I think we know who's gonna win that one. Um then we started off, man. We it, it's a there it's it's another you know SEC. It just never gets easier. We go you know we go to Jacksonville to play the sucker. So I'm gonna let I'm gonna let West have this one first. Actually, no, let, let's go, Mike. I want I want West to build his hype for the sucker. <laughs> well, the uh, the Braves will be in the World Series right about that time. So I think the state of Georgia just continued their run of good luck, and um, I just could we beat them? Absolutely. Um, they lost their best receiver to Bama last year. Uh, and, yeah, they have Bowers, who's an absolute monster. Um, they're losing some depth at running back. However, you know, until proven otherwise, I have to give them the benefit of the doubt. They've earned it, um, even if temporarily. So for this year, I'm going to have Georgia winning by approximately 12 points. Wes? I say this to uh, to reiterate that these games are something we're going to do each week. But right now, before the season, I don't trust Stetson Bennett. New whole new defense. Um, we have the best player on the field still. This cements uh, AR as the front runner for Heisman. This is going to be the game that he's the front runner for Heisman. AR delivers in a close ball game. Florida wins. Uh, tri- uh, Mac hits a field goal. He makes the drive that actually gets us the win. We beat Georgia 27-24. Guys, have y'all ever seen the little comic of the devil and the angel on the other shoulder, you know, on each shoulder? That's that's what I deal with every show with these two right here. I got I got the the devil on one shoulder and that and an angel on the other. And, All right. So Wes, why you, just, you said because you said we free. can win. You said we can win. You don't even know him. And I believe we can win. You, you, I, I, no, I'm telling you what you said when you started. You said we can win. So again, I'm going to pick us to win. You give us you, a 30 What am I going to – let me talk? All right. All right. I, don't, I literally don't have the energy to, for that. All right. AR is the best on the field. Most talented quarterback. I say that Are game you aware who Jalen Carter – oh, oh, oh. I said that game. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. 
Jalen Carter is a top three pick. Who has the highest ceiling? Jalen Carter will I, go I home. Ask, hold on. Hold on. I'll ask you a question. You're, all right, you said better. You didn't say talented. Okay, that's two different terms, mutually exclusive. Jalen Carter, right now, he will be a top three or five pick. That's a fact. It's going to happen. He, okay. To Gerb, who I love, who was a first rounder, is not even the best deep tackle. So, no, this is the only game where we don't have the most talented. I don't say better. Talented. Because AR, I mean, he's not proven. End of the day. If I just said, that he submit, I said he submits. He submits himself as the Heisman front runner. He if he does that, if he submits that, then he's the best player on the field. So, guys, I, I, guys. one last question. One last question. Does the Heisman go to the best player? We just had. We just been true. We just went over that. Eric Crouch won the best player in the country. Correct. Was he the best this, player? Yes or no? This time no. they they do this. They yes or no? They they go together. You just no. You just. But look, look, we don't call him the hype man for nothing. He's going to hype. It was a bold-faced lie. Who has the higher ceiling? Who has the higher ceiling? You you want to be asking a question? question. Who has the higher ceiling? Per NFL draft, uh, it would be – No, I'm asking you. I'm not asking asking the the so-called experts. I'm asking Mike. So he has the higher ceiling in AR? Right now, yes. You say right now, but I'm I'm projecting the week nine. All right, it's my turn. Y'all take it. Take it outside. <laughs> I want to win this game. I'm a Georgia boy. I live around Georgia fans. I want to win this game. But in, I just this year, show me progress. Show me competitiveness. Show me the ability to hang drive for drive with them and not get blown out in the second half. I that's that's what I want to see. This this will be that game I'm watching to see where we how much we've grown. Would, would I like to win? Absolutely. Do I want to win? Yes. Do I expect to win? Eh. <laughs> Not. In, I mean, in my heart, yes. In my mind, I'm like, well, you know, the talent gap is the talent gap. So let's see what the coaching gap is. Because if Billy Napier can hang step for step with the – with a less talented team, then we know where we're going. All right. Doesn't get any easier. We play a tough physical game at the cocktail party, and then we got to go out to College Station, as Mike calls the Colt. <laughs> hey, spades spades. Mike, tell us your thoughts on Texas A&M. Um, obviously going to be a hostile environment. We've all seen it, and for whatever reason, we have to go there eight, eight dozen times, and, you know, I mean, for is what it is. So um, if this was maybe swapped with, you know, and not back-to-back, I'd like to pick us. I think this is a coin flip game. Once again, we have a few of those on the schedule. However, I mean, I just can't realistically pick, you know, pick us in, in good faith to just keep winning and winning these, these coin flips and get lucky. Hope, hopefully we can. With that being said, I think we lose a close one um, on the road, hostile environment. I think we're get, we're going to get nicked up. We have a couple of very important pieces with AR and Ethan White, who if they go down, production goes down. Ethan White, who's already been hurt up once already, uh, when he went down after Bama, run production dropped by two yards. So obviously we're trying to build a depth, got new coaching, but you know that, we're, that's ten weeks into the season, so I have to t- I say a loss on that. Wes. Um, I hate Texas A&M. Like they, they're becoming like an irritant to me. Um, 
like Mike said, we always seem like we have to go down there to play them for some reason with this crazy SEC schedule of late. Um, we owe them. I think we haven't beaten them since 2012. The last three times, I think they've gotten us. Uh, Muschamp beat them. Uh, the year he went 12 and one, I believe. 11 and one, excuse me. But uh, I'm going to continue to pick us to win. Like when I say these are subject to change during the season, uh, Mike spoke about injuries. All things that us going in health that I'm trusting my coaches. Um, I, I cannot pick us to lose. I think we go down there and AR continues to do his uh, best impersonation of Cam Newton uh, like he did before the season. Uh, everybody probably thought Julio Jones was the best player on the field. But when Auburn played Alabama that week, uh, last game of the season, Cam Newton indeed was the best player on the field. Yeah. I, whoever makes these schedules is yeah is the most – Unforgiving, unforgiving, horrible <laughs> human being on earth. Thanos. Um, yeah, I, I'd like to snap him out of existence because this is ridiculous. I, I just, this is going to be, to me, this is the classic. You're hurt. You're beat down. You played a physical game the week before, win or lose. I mean, we already shared our opinions on that. I, in this environment, I, if we win this game, Billy Napier is is an outstanding coach. And I think we'll be able to say it real quick because this is the true definition of a, of a game that just could, that you should lose on paper there. You should lose this game. I mean, given the circumstances of this team, the depth on the road after playing the, one of the, you know, a top five team in the country, which may or may not be at that point in time, but obviously they are right now. Um, it's going to be a bat. That'll be a battle. It'll be a tough, tough game. Um, week 10, Carolina, Beamer boys. Wes, hit us up. I know that's Wes is a South Carolina boy. Hit us up. What do you think? Yeah, we owe them. Uh, they talked a lot of smack after beating us last year as well. So that is a revenge game. Um, I'm sick of these fans around here. If y'all don't know, they are really, really outrageous. They have that <laughs> Alabama mouth. in them. Yeah, <laughs> they have the Alabama mouth. They literally have an Alabama mouth with the Vanderbilt trophy case, except for women's basketball uh, and baseball. Their baseball team has won a couple championships. But that being said, uh, I think they're getting a little bit too big for their britches. Uh, we put them back in their place, put them back where they should be. Uh, I'm not going to pick us to lose at home. I don't think I'll pick us to lose away either or neutral sites. So another win for Florida. Mike. So I think this would be a little tougher than we think. However, um, there's, a, there's a reason um, the quarterback transferred. He was awful. So, I mean, it's, I, I think uh, we'll, we'll take care of business. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in that, you know, club that I'm waiting on Spencer Rattler to implode this team. All he needs to do is just beat Georgia for me. He can beat Georgia for me. That's all I want him to do is beat Georgia. He's, uh, <laughs> his, his, he, um, my buddy coached him, and he's a bit of an ego. He's a diva, and, and I don't know if Spencer Rattler and Columbia, South Carolina are a real good match for one another. And not only that, he's not having the, you know the wizard helping him out. You no, Lincoln Riley old, days are gone. If Lincoln Riley couldn't fix him, I don't think uh, Little Beamer can either. Uh, right. So, yeah, I, I look for Florida to be back on the right track that week. Then we go to Nashville, week 11. Um, Vandy, I mean, 
we don't really think we need to spend a lot of time on Vandy either, guys. If we're losing, if we're having to worry about Vandy once again, that we got bigger problems. Never heard of her. Who? Best team in Tennessee, though? Maybe. Streets are talking. He said he's going to be the best team in the SEC. Number don't That's what he said. I got to check, but they were ranked. They were ranked one behind Texas A&M in recruiting, 40 to 47. I'm just saying, streets are talking that Vandy might still be the best team in Tennessee. Harvard itself. Yes, sir. <laughs> got to keep the SEC grades looking good. You know, they got to help us out keeping the SEC grades looking good. Um. All right. Week 12. We know who it is. Night game. ABC. We got to go visit uh, the Fighting Norvells. Do we have to spend a lot of time on this? We're going to because I know Mike wants to get these trolls off. I'm just joking. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> Sick or not, Mike's going to get these my, these Florida State trolls off. So, I mean, unfortunately, not too much to troll about. Like, <laughs> like literally isn't. Um, it's being a dead dog. But um, it's a Friday night game, you know. Screw ABC for doing that and um, screwing up my plan, uh, my holiday I think plans. It's Florida State's fault, honestly. Yeah. However, <laughs> you know, I have been the, the game. You know, it's not hostile. You know, at that point, they're going to have maybe two, three wins and be, be, be down. And honestly, there's, you cannot say for certain that Mike Norvell will be coaching that team. That's just, that's an honest fact. So, um, could he, most likely, I play that odds because they don't have any money to pour. How about in uh, Spain's person ain't backing them right now. So it's going to be a it's gonna be a blowout again. I mean, AR beat him with one knee last year. <laughs> Allegedly. So, yeah. Greg, Gregory just, Knox beat him. That's all that needs to be said out loud, honestly. Hey, Greg Knox got defeated. Greg uh, Knox got us. 2-1. Wes, give us, give, yeah. us, give us some hype about FSU. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm I, I don't know what, like Mike said, is is hard to conjure some stuff up. I, I just hope they beat Miami. That's the only thing I care about. Uh, they can yeah. beat Miami for me, and uh, I, I'll that'll be the only time I really root for for FSU. Um, like who the f is you? But um, they, I mean, it's not really something that should be like I said talked about. I know Mike wanted to talk about them, but um, we should easily win. Uh, that should give us the. The final cap in the AR season, hopefully, if everything goes the way uh, my optimistic self uh, feels like. I just feel like to for the fans that, like, I feel like we won six games last year, guys. We were six and six. Well, not six and six, but we won six games last year without a good coaching staff, uh, without people being hyped up about, without people being invested. You know, that there was reports that the team quit halfway. So when I say it, I feel like this can happen. I feel it because I feel like AR – Ceilings that high. I just want the best for our players. And I feel like we play. Of course, we might lose some games in the season, but I feel like if we play to our potential with what I envisioned our coaching staff to do, I feel like there's nobody that we cannot beat. I mean, if you look at the Georgia game until the last two three minutes of the second half, what was the score? You know what I'm saying? So look at, and I feel like the team is better coached. We have better players now, so that's why I'm just. So don't think I'm just saying this to say this. We went to the third three minutes left within the second half. I mean, excuse me, the second quarter against Georgia last year, the team that won the national championship with an incompetent coach, a coach who didn't want to be there, who threw AR out there and didn't really give him a great game plan. I mean, we saw that and they couldn't, and what's his name? Stetson Bennett couldn't score against Todd Grafton. We kind of, what is, um, Torrance got the interception, came out like on the two yard line and it was everything unraveled after that. So that's why I feel the way I feel. So don't just think I'm saying this just because I'm a Florida fan and I'm sunshine puppy. I really believe that we can do it. 
Because you tell me why not if we healthy. So Hi, man. Hi, also, man. if you to kind of piggyback off what Wes is saying, like I was saying, a lot of these games are just, are just coin flips. So and it comes down to if you protect, if you protect the ball, if you stay healthy, um, and you know, uh, be disciplined, and that that can do wonders, especially because we're a veteran team. Now, on week one, you know, be, right now we're on ranks. So with week one, be the top ten team. Boom. Now people are thinking about us. You know, week two, be the top ten quarterback or top ten pick and quarterback. Now people have to talk about you. Keep me on. These are night games. Now week four, you beat the media darlings, as Wes said. So at that point, if you go four and zero, you're on the national. You're probably top fifteen right around there because you have you are on the radar of everyone in the country at this point on the national stage. So and I'll just go for uh, if you know Myers go on my season project, projection. I can't give. I mean, I think I said eight games, eight and two. But my my range. When people tell me how many wins do you think? I would say six to ten, just because they're all. It's too many coin flips, too many projections. You know how the receivers got to look. How you're projecting AR. You're projecting that the D line depth holds. You know it's so it's got to be. It's just a lot of projections. I never care where we're that we're unranked because our schedule speaks for itself. So Wes. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you. I mean, we can go eleven and one and still get to the SC championship game, and if we win and win that, go to. So, like Mike said, it doesn't. I know we are un right now. Shouldn't care about that. I mean, we played who was who was in front of us, and we played SC schedule, and this is a hard schedule. Um, like you got teams on here, uh, highly recruited classes, uh, big names. You got uh, Jimbo, who I hate. You got uh, Kirby, the the national defending national champion. You got a uh, Utah coming in top 10 rank. So if we win and do the things I think we can win, even with one loss, if I put one loss in there, like the Texas a game, which I think might be the game, I think for some reason I think we beat – I don't think Georgia's going to be as good as people think they might be this year with Stetson back there. Lost a lot of offense, lost the whole entire defense. Um, they still have a lot of talent back there, but, again, I'm trusting the AR. I mean, quarterback has – I know Mike talked about, and I would give him what he said about as far as right now, Carter is supposed to be the best player on the field right now, but the quarterback is the most important player on the, on the field. So if he's the most important player on the field, touches the ball every snap when he's on the field, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with AR delivering that close game. Um, but that is how I feel. Yeah, uh, it's cool. Thank you. Um, one last thing about FSU, Hirsch, what, what are your, uh, your thoughts in that game, you know, uh, Black Friday? And you happen to me, you pulled the West, you're muted, man. Yeah, my bad. Um, you're good. Just a quick thought about FSU. Obviously, I, I think we should absolutely win that game going away, but this is what I want to see out of that game. I want to see Billy go back to the old school mentality of just stepping on their throat for the recruiting edge that it brings to say you're not even in this battle with us okay you pulled a couple of o-line recruits because your o-line coach is a fantastic recruiter and had some great relationships but we're about to just drive you out of your own building and if your coach is on the hot seat we're gonna kick the legs out under that damn thing (laughs) i mean send him packing if if it's close if there's rumblings I, I want to see us just go in there and score every point that's available to be scored. Thanks. 
I, I mean, that might not be Billy's way. We have we'll have to wait and see. Billy might not be that kind of coach. He seems like he's a very respectful guy. He doesn't have that. I wouldn't say he has that cocky swagger that Urban had. Definitely not like Spurrier. I mean, but I think he understands what it means underneath it all to go into that building and just beat the brakes off of them for the that's for a, all the ki- huh. That's a way to beat the brakes off somebody and not be arrogant about just. Oh, absolutely! That up. We have a run game that's four or five kids deep. Yeah, I mean, run them all. Yeah, and you can say, you know, obviously you'll take out AR maybe, but, like, you can still have a game plan to score. That's a, you know, at that point, they're getting snaps. Like, I'm not running to score. I got my backups in. Yeah, our second team needs reps. Absolutely. Our our, our third running back needs reps. Absolutely. I want to see Lingard dragging Seminoles down the field. I mean, and and this is – I don't want to say Lorenzo is going to be third, fourth string running back because I think these guys are all going to get a healthy dose unless one just absolutely, you know, emerges himself from the pack. But, I mean, like we've said in this show, Entian's going to play. I mean, Johnson, we know he's going to play. Naquan, I mean, now, granted, you got to keep all these kids healthy for 12 weeks of the season, and the chances of that happening are probably very unlikely. But – your backups are your backups, and if your backups get in there and run all over them, sorry about your damn luck. Absolutely. <laughs> so no, with that they, being they said, they work hard too. You know, yeah, absolutely, they deserve it. I mean, and if you, your guys can't stop our guys, I don't care what string they are. Uh, there ain't no mercy rule in college football. We no. don't, you know, this is no mas big boy ball. <laughs> so that being said, guys, and I think uh, I. To, to, to finish up on the schedule, I, I could see, I think, eight and four. I think nine and three might be our ceiling. I, no, I don't mean ceiling. I, our ten wins could definitely be our ceiling for me. I think we're going to fall somewhere in that nine and three, eight and four range and show mm-hmm. competitive ball even in our losses, and, and that's what we can ask for. That, that should be what any reasonable Gator fan asks for this season. Hey, no sunshine I- pumping. No negativity. Don't come on and say we're being negative if we choose, we say we're going to go eight and four, because that's just being a smart-minded fan. That's that's looking at what we have, the rotational problems that Zach brought up in the podcast. You know, there's 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 things we're going to have to overcome this season, and and they can't be overlooked. And we're unranked for a reason, and it's not like people are hating Florida. Like it's but that's, too many, that's that's the thing I don't get. There's too many projections. Like why, 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 good? yes, but like you, you can't project that far. That, but 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 if we have, if you look at our recruit, and, and this we didn't plan to talk about this, but I don't get why we're unranked when we won six games with Emory, and, and, I, and I get what you're saying. But if you look at the composite, we are not. We're, when you look at the composite, change, change of scheme, change of coaching, and building the season. At, but at, we, were, we we had a culture change when Mush, when Mullen came and we were still. Billy has you, not coached in you, the SEC and that will go against him until he proves and, it. And how'd you end the season? Horrible. The, the first year. With no. But but he should be on ranks. But seriously, until Bill, oh. Billy proves it Absolutely. against SEC competition, he they're not going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I, I, no. I get I, I get what you're saying, but there's no reason why we can't why we 
not in the. I didn't say we have to be a top ten. Top. You got to remember this is these are people voting. These are human beings. I, I they get it. That's they, but they're not going to give us the benefit of the doubt. They're just not. I, I get that. I'm not talking about the media. I'm asking you what you guys. Are, you guys are saying we are fairly not ranked, and I'm asking you. People always base the the ranking off what you previously your your recruiting classes. If you look at our recruiting class, we're not outside the top twenty five. If you look at our total body that's of our a, team, that's a piece of the puzzle. It's momentum from the year before. It's your projection at quarterback. AR is total unknown. Yes, you have a a, great, a very good offensive line. Of what do you what do you have at receiver? So, so why? One second. So one second. why? Is, one second. No, 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 because what, LSU don't what, what have, do you have a quarterback. That receive, uh, corner. It's un, too much unproven. Jason Marshall. You look at Who's Jason Marshall's stats. Who's the other one? Proven, hundred percent. I like so what, Where's LSU ranked? All right, we don't. Where's yeah. LSU ranked? What, what 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 is Brian Kelly? Where'd he come from? I don't care, but the same questions you have about our rosters, you can say the same thing about it with no quarterback. They that have, goes back to what have, I was saying about Brian Kelly being a proven coach, and that that's what they're going to go on. That's what Jaden Daniels media members at Arizona State. Y'all are taking it back about what the media said. I'm asking you why you guys think that way too. Media votes. We don't vote. AP Associated Press, Press Top Twenty Five. I don't think we're proven. I don't I, myself. I don't until I so, see Billy do it. I don't know that he's going to. LSU be ranked? Who? LSU? LSU no, I don't. I think LSU is too high. I hundred percent will agree. Think, with that's you. what I'm asking because y'all, yeah, y'all I, agree with what the media is saying. For that, for that example, I agree with you. Yeah, for that example, I hundred. They don't even have a quarterback. They lost it. They lost their wide receiver to Bama. They lost their, their DB. They lost. They lost a whole lot. And people yeah, said they off their team. That, that that's the flip side of the coin of people giving Kelly too much credit. Exactly, but he's he's deserved it. But he's earned that because he's whether we believe it. I mean, with our two, you know, we can all say Notre Dame's overranked every year, and they are. Honestly, they prove it. Exactly. But, that's, but man, that's even more important part, um, Hirsch, because but, Marcus Freeman has never even been a head coach. But, but yet know, Notre Dame is ranking the top ten. Once again, we talk. We people we complain about media every single day and their biases and all that kind of stuff. And you know how it works. I mean, it's just what it is. And what, all that matters, all that matters, is to go out and prove it on the field. At the end of the day, these arguments are all going to be null and void. If if Billy goes out and proves it and sticks it to everybody, Thanks. I don't care what they think about us. I want to be the underdog. Let those kids have something to to, to fuel them. Week in and week out of being disrespected, especially the ones that were here under Mullen, because you know that they've heard nothing more than they're, you know, they were undisciplined, they were a bad team, they were uh, running wild. You know, they've heard all of this stuff for for months now. You know, these kids are ready to just go out and say that wasn't us. Yeah, that was that was TG. <laughs> that was. Dan Mullen not caring about us. That was, you know, all, you know, that was us not being prepared by a coaching staff that did not care enough about us as players. So that's all there is to say about that. We're going to wrap this up, guys, real quick here because we're running long on you again. It's been another jam-packed episode. We appreciate all y'all hanging in there with us. Mike, you want to add anything before we jump out? Once again, I want to thank uh, Zach Goodall from SI to uh, for coming here and uh, go recapping some football and recruiting notes. And uh, as always, Bateman got us. As always, so guys, real quick before I kick it to West for the for the outro. Just as I said at the beginning, please go check us out. 
Apple Podcast, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, all your podcast providers. And uh, give us a download, please. Just, you know, give us a listen. Tell us what you think. Give us a review. Hit us up on Twitter, our new Instagram page, Respect Our Decision. And make sure you please go check out our YouTube page, Respect Our Decision, on YouTube. Give us a subscribe. Give us a like. Drop a comment. Tell us what you think about us. And we'll just try to get better and better for y'all and keep bringing y'all more hot content. And with that being said, take us home, hype man. Yeah, again, uh, shout out to Zach uh, for coming in. Make sure you guys follow him, read his stories. He's very, very thorough, as you can see from the content he gave us. So you guys follow him, uh, read his stories. Very good guy. Uh, And again, appreciate you, Zach, for uh, stopping by. Uh, Thank you guys personally for what you guys done for us as Hirsch uh, stated, uh, subscribe, like, give us feedback. We're trying to get whatever you guys want us to talk about. Uh, we take that into consideration to, to be better for you guys. We're trying to, we're trying to give you guys the content that we would want as fans. So, uh, we thank you there again. Salute to our veterans out there. If you know anyone that's a veteran or you're a veteran yourself, please hit us up. Uh, and we will get back to you. We're trying to get benefits for our veterans out there. We thank you guys very much for the listens. Uh, our numbers and everything has been going up. So we just, uh, cannot thank you guys enough. We love what we do we are passionate about what we do uh and uh as mike handle says we're just trying to get better for you guys thank you guys we are always just trying to get better because if you're not getting better say it mike you're getting worse you're getting worse <laughs> guys thanks again for tuning in we'll go check you out next week go gators go gators we'll be in next week with our utah breakdown peace 